G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. The early trade for tyre power. Family safety is never up for trade. Well, it's a very good morning to you on this Wednesday, the 5th day of October. It is the early trade for tyre power. Family safety is never up for trade. And do we have a huge two hours coming your way? Damien Barrett is going to join us. Of course, the news breaking extraordinaire is all over the situation unfolding at Essendon, where they're looking for a CEO after the one they had lasted one day. The embarrassing situation, the Bombers will work our way through that. This morning, and Damien Barrett will give us his views on that. Truth or lies back after it took the trade radio situation by storm yesterday. Great reaction to that. Are clubs telling the truth or are they spinning their way through this period? We've got a few examples of that. Lloydie's list is back as always, and your calls, 1-323-5548. That man is alongside of me. Lordo, good morning to you. Morning to you, Kano. I had to laugh yesterday. I got home uh, at about 10 o'clock from Trade Radio and I get a call from Scotty Lucas, one of my great mates, and said, geez, you've given me a busy morning. He's the manager (laughs) of Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. So his phone was just ringing off the hook uh, just with journalists. And uh, also other people inquiring about Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. Once oh, the clubs. Uh, well, potentially, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, well, well, you dropped the bomb on us yesterday morning about this time. Yeah, I, I did. Unfortunately, I haven't got a bomb like that this morning, Tano. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's uh, going to be interesting to see whether how that plays out. Because I think Essendon, uh, who put in forms to say Anthony had retired and allowed for them to get another selection, I think Massimo D'Ambrosio came onto mm-hmm. the list. They are now like uh, in discussions or would look to the AFL to say, okay, there was cir- circumstances for that and how can we now withdraw that to say, mm. so it, they could have first tabs on him if he does uh, make himself available. Whereas if, I think he's uh, open to Fremantle. I think it'd be better that way because he has to do a hard pre-season with a club mm. For them to see whether he's up for it or not, uh, to put him on a list, Kane. Yeah, it was a massive story, and a lot of clubs looking for that small forward with his capabilities. So we'll wait and see, and we might follow up with the Bombers, just how they're feeling about the situation, if he was to leave, what compensation they would be after. Before we tackle the events of the day, you mentioned that you made a comeback to cricket last week. <laughs> Something has come across my desk. I've been sent exclusive vision of the dismissal. Oh. And it is the softest dismissal <laughs> I think I have ever seen, Lordo. So there's okay, a I was little, just getting there's over a little, there's a little, um, I don't know, sort of left arm off here. Couldn't quite tell because the, the, the vision was a bit in the distance. But he's just rolling the arm over. Just very gentle sort of about the 25th over of a one-day game sort of stuff where the field's out, it's all spread. And Lordo's gone to paddle one. To, to mid-wicket. He just, it, it, there's no conviction in the shot at all, and he's just popped up this dolly of a catch, and 
On your bike, son. Off I'm relieved the Sunday footy show is not on at the moment, Kane. That's that's my only saving grace with how I went out on on Saturday, and it still hurts. I was starting to get over it until I was told someone sent you the vision. Oh, it is just a soft dismissal. <laughs> we may, well, I don't know. We may need to post on our trade radio socials. It's not something we would usually do. Um, but it, geez, it needs to be seen. <laughs> needs to be seen. I hope you make well, up for it this I'll, weekend. If it gets bits put on, the only way I would agree to it well, is if you I... play one game. <laughs> well, I, I, I could. A very, very handy outswing bowler, Lorna. <laughs> very, very handy. All right, change topics. All right, change topics because Lordy is yeah. squirming in his seat. We'll have to legal that vision and see whether that is uh, allowed to go on our socials. Um, firstly, I just got to get your opinion on the Bombers because, uh, I mean, this is we, we spoke about this yesterday. The new CEO was announced. He was at the best and fairest. He spoke to Gary and Tim on the SEM Breakfast Show yesterday and, and answered some difficult questions. And, of course, he's a chairman of, of a church that has uh, controversial views, and he sort of backed away from it in a way and said, look, they're the views of the church, but they're not necessarily my views, and I'm inclusive. But in the end, it was untenable for a club that sees themselves as inclusive to have him as the CEO of the football club. He has now stood down, Lordo, and the fallout mm. from it has been significant front page of the Herald Sun today. As an Essendon legend, um, how do you feel about this situation? You used the word in, embarrassing. Uh, I agree with that, uh, with how it happened. I, I, never, I remember when he, I didn't follow him too much. You know, I heard the name Andrew Thorburn, didn't know his background too well when, when he was p- part of the panel to select mm. uh, the CEO. I, I never like it when the person who's meant to be helping find a CEO becomes it themselves. Uh, I, don't, I don't like that part of it uh, too much. He got the job. I did get a few text messages from people saying, oh, what do you think of this appointment? And then once I started reading a lot of the comments, there was a lot of people who were disappointed uh, mm. in that. Uh, and then I think that uh, I just made me think to myself, yeah, surely Dave Barham, who I'm a big fan of, and the club must have known the blowback that they were going to get uh, with this appointment, particularly you know, having a female uh, you know, uh, a football side with you know a lot of you know um, mm. you know people you know uh, how do I say homosexuals um, that's the right term for it uh, in terms yeah so in, I thought geez how's that going to go down and Gary Lyon did ask the question uh, when a gay footballer approaches you at Essen how are you going to answer that those types mm. of things so I've mm. always thought that they were never going to align his beliefs with the beliefs of an AFL football club so how you get to that point is pretty staggering to me and then. The pressure comes on 24 hours later. Wouldn't the club have known that, you know, earlier that, that this was going to come back to them? So that's where I'm sort of gobsmacked, to be honest, that, mm. that we sit here and it's embarrassing. Another hit on the club who's yeah. uh, had a poor, yeah, poor you know, decade, really. I think that's that's the thing when you when you um, hire a firm, Ernst Young, to, to to do a review and to, to hire a CEO, and this is overlooked um, when it's a simple Google search, really. And David Barham mm. was asked about this yesterday in a media conference. He said, "Look, in the interview process, we can't ask about people's personal beliefs, but you would think if they're doing it properly, they would have come across this and found out that these views don't align with the Essendon Football Club." And you know, clearly that situation was untenable. So uh, it is, yeah, it is an embarrassing situation for the Essendon Football Club. They're now searching for its third CEO in 40 days after this bombshell yesterday. Now, um, Andrew himself uh, has hit out strongly on his own LinkedIn page and has released a really strong statement about that. And you can read that in the newspapers. But we'll speak to Damien Barrett about this and he'll give us 
his views on it and what it means for the game in general and others that do have strong beliefs as well. And it's not an easy topic and it's one that has divided opinion. There's no can, doubt about that. Can't just start fine on that. Like I look at the great football CEOs. I look at Brendan Gale, good football person. Tom Harley, great mm. football person. Uh, Steve, uh, Steve Hocking, great football person. Even you know, Mark Anderson. You don't have to be a footballer. Mark Anderson, who's with Collingwood, he's one of the great blokes I've met. He was at Essendon, mm. but he was he was he's been in the game at, at at a football club for a long, long time. So often these big executives from the NAB or the whatever, they often don't. Doesn't mean they can come in and suddenly be a great CEO of a football club because it's a different beast. So. Uh, the club's licking their wounds this morning, but maybe they could revisit it and find a good football person uh, yeah. uh, to, to be the CEO. Yeah, so there's um, some other people that have been mentioned in terms of who could be the next CEO. The Herald Sun's reporting that uh, Simon Matthews, uh, brother of Dave Matthews, uh, might be in line for that as well. But we'll, we'll wait and see, and we'll wait and see how Essendon handle it. They were quick to jump on this yesterday and... Realised that this situation was untenable and David Barham spoke yesterday. But once again, it's a, another blow to the Bombers. You can have your say on that. Of course, it is a sensitive issue and there's a lot of difference of opinions around this and we understand that. But in the end, the uh, beliefs of, of Andrew and the Essendon Football Club didn't align and that made the position untenable, as we've said. one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight, Or you can send us a text this morning, 0419187323. Damien Barrett will join us in about 10 minutes to give us his side of things and, and what it means for the competition and those individuals in general. There's some trade news around the place, uh, Lordo. A big pick swap yesterday, which sort of makes sense, but in the end doesn't really when you look at the points value that was swapped. So Melbourne and Port Adelaide did a pick swap. Port get 33, 43 and 53, and Melbourne just get 27. So the points value, if it added up, it's very much in favour of Port Adelaide winning this deal. But in the end, that pick 27 will unlock the Brody grundy trade from Collingwood. And you would think that one happens pretty soon now. And straight swap 27 for Grundy sort of makes sense to me and, and most other people, I think. And on that, Kane, I, I remember speaking to a manager uh, a while back and he said, you only have to have one pick now in the draft. So you might be able to upgrade, you know, say, for example, you know, uh, you know players, you might delist and you might put them back on. So that counts as one. Yeah. You know, so... So in terms of, you know, you have to have one live pick, though, in the draft. So for, for Melbourne, they might go, hey, all we really wanted was to get was that pick to unlock the Grundy deal. But we may only have one pick in the draft. So that's why some clubs, you might go, gee, their draft hand's not very good. But they might go, we're pretty happy with our list. Melbourne will say, we're happy with what we've got. And we don't want, so whereas Port Adelaide mm. want to get more, you know, picks or points or whatever you want. So it's what suits each club really, and that's where, what all Melbourne cared about in getting Grundy. Yeah, so Port Adelaide have that 33 now, which they would argue is, is enough for Junior Rioli, so they've yeah. got a couple of picks there, and then potentially with the Jason Horn-Francis situation, so they'll clearly give pick eight in their future first-round pick, but perhaps the extra pick, you know, that pick 43 may be enough to convince North Melbourne to, to trade Jason Horn-Francis. So two first-round draft picks plus 43, and then Port also potentially get Junior Rioli for 33. Liam Jones is is a Bulldog again. Um, the club where he started his career. Carlton get a third-round pick as compensation. Um, and that has forced Zane Cordy out of the Western Bulldogs. Now, he joins St Kilda. Lord, I wanted your opinion on this. For the Saints, we're all sort of wondering what they were going to do. Um, Wilkie and Howard as their key defenders. Now, Zane Cordy is going to go there. Three-year deal is is a good deal 
Zane, I would have thought. How did you view this uh, trade? I was surprised. I was surprised by it, yeah. Kane. Uh, they often do it, St Kilda. They they seem to top up with mm. blokes, guys who you think are coming towards the end or struggle. And like, I remember when they went for Sean McKernan, uh, yeah, I was surprised they gave him a few, couple of years. And uh, this one, Cordy, uh, trying to think yeah, off the top of my head, there was another couple, uh, Frawley. James Frawley. Yes, that's right. So they've done a few things like that where you go, what, why? Just Can you just try and put time into a kid uh, to try and have them come through rather than topping up with players mm. like this? I don't think it'll take you too far. So, yeah, that's that's my view on St. Kilda. Yeah, Tom, Tom Campbell, you know, it's guys like mm. that that uh, I don't reckon they take you too far. Lean uh, it. Yeah, yeah, lean yeah, it's another Yeah. Yep, so you can have your say on that. Saints fans, it's a, an interesting one. 0419187323, so some key defensive depth. Uh, the worst-kept secret all year was Dan McStay, so he becomes a magpie. Brisbane get pick 35 as compensation. You would feel like they're a little bit disappointed with that. And the bargain of the whole trade period is Blake Akers, who has been traded to Carlton for a future third-round pick. And I'm wondering what is going on at Fremantle. So they're worse off, I think, mm. Fremantle than... The whole aim of the trade period is to improve your list. With Logue leaving, um, with Blake Akers now leaving as well, Rory Lobb, who knows, up in the air, I think Fremantle are a worse side than what they were at the start of the trade period. I know Luke Jackson will come in, but I think what's going out is more significant than what's coming in. Yeah, I heard Matty Rendell yesterday, and he spoke about how James Ace and Blake Akers had become really good, strong wingmen mm. for them. And and now yeah, to offer up Blake Akers 180000 just that, that's an insult uh, to Blake Akers, and, and it can understand where he gets double. He gets double uh, at Carlton, so it was a move. It was a no-brainer for him, but just shows the salary cap pressure that Fremantle are under uh, to, because I, I'd imagine they would have liked to have offered Akers more, but pretty much forced him out the door with that offer to him. So, yeah, their, their depth with Logue and Tucker, uh, yeah, they're going to lack that depth next year that they've got this yeah. year. So Logue and Tucker go for the, the future second and third round picks that North Melbourne were given from the AFL for the assistance package. Not not quite enough, I wouldn't have thought, for you know Griffin yeah. Logue, who was a top 10-ish draft pick mm. a number of years ago. He's now in the prime of his career and has played some really good football. He's going to sign a massive deal at North Melbourne and you get a future second round pick for him. So I'd be a little bit concerned about Fremantle. We're also going to hear from Tim Lamb a little bit later on, who spoke about the talks essentially breaking down between Melbourne and Fremantle or not progressing at all far. Uh, so we'll get to that for the exchange for Luke Jackson. This is Continental Tires AFL Trade Radio, Continental Tires engineered in Germany, proven in Australia. Um, we need you to vote on the softest cricket dismissal that you've ever seen and whether you'd like to see the vision of Matthew <laughs> Lloyd just trying to paddle one. It was like a half sort of sweep shot yeah, but it was, it was almost like a Glenn Maxwell sort of paddle but there was no conviction mm. in it whatsoever and I've got the exclusive vision <laughs> behind this so if you want to see it let us know and if the if it's overwhelming then we we might be able to do something about that Damien Barrett on the big story unfolding at the Bombers they need a new CEO again after the latest one lasted one day what happened where did it all break down what mistakes did Essendon make the AFL's Damien Barrett's going to join us after this you're listening to Continental Tyres AFL Trade Radio. Engineered in Germany. Proven in Australia. Search Continental Tyres today. Oh boy, the vision's online. It's been legaled and the vision of Matthew Lloyd's soft dismissal, his fancy sort of paddle, sort of upright, <laughs> sweet rubbish. 
He's on line, Lord. And I was looking to play some games around Australia, Kano. Uh, I was selling myself to a few clubs, and that's over after they've seen that dismissal. So you've just embarrassed me. I have to, might have to put your uh, Cliffy Young running style up later, just because that is insipid, your running style. But anyway, I've just got to wear it this morning and cop yeah. it. Well, you are a bowler, though. So that, yeah, that, yeah, the, the saving grace is that you're, <laughs> you're an exceptional bowler. All right, we've got to straighten up here because there is a serious story unfolding at the Essendon Football Club, one that is embarrassing, really. Uh, Damian Barrett is the best newsbreaker in the AFL, and he's part of the AFL Trade Radio team. He joins us. Damo, thanks for your time. Yeah, g'day, Kano uh, and, and Lordo. And, and it is embarrassing for, for, for so many people attached to this football club, and, and, and most of that embarrassment to me today goes back to the... The man who set about to, to, to make the change seven and a half weeks ago at that club, that being uh, the, the new president, um, David Barham. So, Damo, let's work our way through this. I guess the, the obvious question is, how can a massive football club not do a Google search and uncover this information that a journalist quickly uncovered moments after he was appointed? Yeah, look, I think that's as pressing an issue right now for, for, for this club to, to wade through, that, that you have a... A firm that employs people and and has processes around that employment and espouses to be inclusive and and diverse and and in Ernst and Young being the firm in question, you've got a person by the name of Dorothy Hisgrove who works in people, um, inclusion and in people. A lot of job titles she's had at major organisations and. You're right, a simple Google search unearthed more than their due process. It unearthed more than their due diligence. And that, that is something the club now has to wade through. That the padding on the back of itself on, on Monday when it announced the, the confirmation of Andrew Thorburn as CEO lined up with the embarrassment of, of yesterday when it put, a, put a, a challenge to him. Stay with us as CEO or, or remove your position from the church. And, and, and he chose the church over the, the role of, of CEO. And again, Kane, there's a, there's a dozen issues at least to, to wade through, and that's as prominent as, as any of them right now. That This club telling its members and, and everyone else that it's doing things by the book in the right way couldn't, couldn't even get this aspect of its, mm. uh, of its David Burham-led part right. So... There'll be people out there, Damo, and I actually heard you speak about this on, on the Sounding Board podcast with, with Hutchie this morning. Now, you were reacting in real time as this happened. It was yesterday morning that you recorded it that would say, well, what does it mean for other people in the AFL industry that have similar beliefs or religious views? What does it mean for yeah, them? Yeah, I, I, again, I don't know whether our listeners and, and any listeners you know, need to hear certain aspects of what we're about to say, but, but I, I'm, I'm with you on this. What, what does it mean? What what I um, wanted to hear from Andrew Thorburn when he had the chance, and, and, and you're right in the time frame yesterday, Andrew Thorburn hadn't responded to, to what was being said about him. And as always, you want to get every single part of uh, the story on the table before you make your own judgments. I, I wanted to hear Andrew Thorburn distance himself mm. personally from, from those comments, because if we're all to be judged by the um, the people we, we have as friends, the, the, the organisations we work for, the religions we are part of and have grown up with. I mean, I'll, I'll put my hand up. I'm, I'm, I was raised Catholic. Now, there's parts of being Catholic that I'm, I'm really happy about, but there's other parts and, and more damning parts that I'm appalled by um, and, and, and cannot stand for and, and question and, and wonder why and how. So, again, I don't want to get too sort of, um, you know, caught up in this, in this in my views, but I think the best way to answer what you just said there is, Andrew Thorburn had a chance to, to personally remove himself from, from the comments that, that are at the heart of this story right now and, and, and chose not to. In fact, he chose the church's 
full teachings over the, the job that, that he was accepted only a day earlier officially as Essendon CEO. That's his choice and that's his right. And when you talk about respect and, and inclusion, I respect that decision. But, but again, it precludes him from being CEO of, of this football club um, as a result of going down that path. And again, I wanted to hear him remove himself from it and, mm. and he, he chose not to. And, and, mm. and that's, that's for him. And, and again, that's the decision he made and, and he made it with some comfort. Damo Essen, it's been put out that he had a choice to make, uh, whether to be yeah, the leader of yeah, the what is it, the city on on a hill church, or the leader of Essen, and he and he chose, you know, the city of the hill church. Do you believe though, if he chose Essen, and he could have would have still survived, or he he was still it was untenable that he would ever be yeah, able look, to be the CEO. It, if he chose Essendon over the, the church lotto and, and had the accompanying statements that, that you know, what was being referred to with, with the views that were expressed and then publicly relayed on, on homosexuality and abortion and, and, and just the generalities of inclusion and diversity, if he had statements attached to that decision that shot down those particular views, yeah, I, I think he could have because... Lord, once we introduce religion to, to it, and again, this is so complex for us, and, and I'm not educated yeah. enough to have a much deeper part of this conversation, but my views on it are we, we, we are linked to something that, that, you know, that is beyond ourselves, but we don't have to agree to every aspect of it, whether we like it or not, with that link being the, the source of it. So, yeah, look, once he had that put to him, but again, Lord, to me, this does get back to the footy club, and this is probably something I'm yeah. more comfortable on. I'm not avoiding yeah. what you've asked, and I think I've expressed it as best I'm, I'm capable of. But the football side of it, th- this should have been something they waded through themselves privately behind the scenes in the weeks leading into this. But they got caught up in Andrew Thorburn. I mean, he's also, as you know, had an adverse finding at the Banking Royal Commission when he was head of a, one of the four major banks. Um, again, that, that needed to be part of their thinking. So too did this religious aspect of it. They needed to properly thrash this out behind the scenes before they went public. And, well, the other aspect I've got of, of a problem with this is Andrew Thorburn was brought in as, as a person to review the football club, and, and, and you know that, and, mm. and, and he was reviewing certain aspects of it. He was interviewing candidates for the, for the vacant CEO post, and again, David Barham chose to force Xavier Campbell out of the football club. That, that, that was a decision Xavier Campbell made, but he had no choice but to leave once David Barham came in got a vacancy in that position. Andrew Thorburn's interviewing candidates. And I, and I know of one that had, had three conversations with the football club about that vacancy. And he gets made aware, not through Andrew Thorburn, but, but made aware that, that Andrew Thorburn is going to be the next CEO while he's still going through that process. So interviewing candidates for that job then decides he wants the job himself and, and is endorsed by David Barham and others at the club as that person I mean, you talk about process, you talk about rigour, and you talk about treating people right, and that's what David Barham wants to be judged on. Well, I think if you go back to what David Barham did um, between around 2022 and 2023, when he he rolled Paul Brasher as president, that happens at footy clubs, but what he made and what he subjected Ben Rutten to in in that week between around 22 and around 23, when he made the approach to Alistair Clarkson while he's got a contracted coach on his books... That, to me, goes to the core of what, what David Barham thinks of, of certain people. And, and, and now we see this latest issue of the last 24, 48 hours with Andrew Thorburn. Yeah, I made that point earlier, Damo, that uh, I think and I never liked the situation where you, you're there to select a CEO and, and you end up doing that yourself. So you're David Barham, so he has made some mistakes. So you're right, the way the Ben Rutten situation was handled, I'm a, everyone knows I'm a fan of Dave, uh, really. I'm yeah. a friend of Dave's, but he did make a big mistake there with the treatment of Rutten. He's made a mistake here. Uh, are you saying that in a sense that, but I understand what David's been trying to do to change 
what the mediocrity has been of the club and their on-field performance. But do you think he should be under pressure now, David Barham, with the start that he's made as the president? I feel he's got no choice but to stand down himself, Lord. Now, I don't expect him to do that. Um, but, but what I do expect to happen on the back of him putting the, the heels and digging heels back in is for certain people, and, and, and you know you know as many people at that footy club that need to be known. I, I know a portion of the people you know. I know there were meetings going on late last night, multiple meetings about what these people who, who, who also want change at that footy club are going to do, and, and, and none of it is favourable to David Barham. And how that plays out... Um, potentially as early as today, I'm, I'm really keen to, to see. Um, you got a situation last week, Lord Owen and, and Kane, where Brad Scott was, was wooed as coach, and, and, he, and it happened very quickly once he took the call from Essendon. Andrew Thorburn was, was part of that wooing process, and I believe it was done with Andrew Thorburn um, already privately determined as being the chief executive officer. Brad Scott, now he, he won't back away from the commitment he made to Essendon, and, and that will be the one good thing I think David Brahms done to this point. He's got Brad Scott through. But but that's not the scenario he accepted last week. Um, he accepted they, the, the job with a CEO in place, in his mind, as far as I can tell. And, and now he's got the potential of, of also having, at least at the very least, an extraordinary amount of pressure being applied to the, the chair of, of the football club, the president of the football club, on, on the back of what I would say has been a seven-and-a-half-week whirlwind, often just off-the-cuff uh, takeover. And I won't say control, but takeover of the footy club by, by David Barham, who, who fell here to change. And even the flippancy with which he responded yesterday, oh, we've had a couple of missteps. Oh, well, was one of the other um, claims he made. And we needed a shake-up and, and a reset. Um, we, we still then you know, value our own values. Um, look, there's a lot of words being said by... David Barham, I don't think too many match up with, with proper action. And Kevin Sheedy's role, Damo, of course, that's the other thing that hasn't been spoken about a lot because this has overshadowed it. Is his role on the board tenable after coming out so strongly and saying that he voted for James Hurd against the, the, the other members of the board? Well, well, given these comments came on made last Friday, as far as I can recall, for Thursday, Friday of last week, and, and there's still been no statement around Kevin Sheedy's role on the board. I mean, he, he resigned, in my eyes, when he went public with the, the revealing of the, the nature of discussions. You do not do that at board level of any organisation, and, and you certainly don't do it at a footy club. And the fact that David Barham hadn't acted on, on that prior to, to yesterday, and, and you've still got the agitator that is Kevin Sheedy, and the fact that people still have a, a line of communication with Kevin and, and, and I'm really keen to see what he is going to do next given he's prepared last week to talk about you know, a, a difference of views publicly that was held privately of that board. Um, look, I know he was contacted yesterday and I'm, I'm really keen to see what his next public play is because we know Kevin, he won't be able to help himself at some stage and yet again that's going to be yet another layer of this uh, this mess that the Essendon Football Club has, uh, has constantly found itself in for the best part of 20 years. Hey, Damon, back to what you just said earlier about uh, you feel that he has no choice but to stand down David Barham. Are you suggest, or suggesting that there's a ticket or some people behind the group, uh, behind the scenes that are looking to maybe try and topple David Barham? Is that how you're saying it might play out? Yeah, look, there, there's, there were conversations flying around last night, Lord Owen. Look, this does happen when these moments occur at a footy club. But this was an embarrassing one for the, for the club that was patting itself on the back on Monday afternoon for the, for the process that, that unearthed Andrew Thorburn as, 
as CEO. And again, I've just I've just raised question marks on how he was interviewing candidates for it. And I've got serious question marks about that process. If you mm. if you are in good faith interviewing people for a job, and then the person doing the interviews wants the job and is given the job himself, I've got an issue with that aspect of it. Mm. So that's one aspect of it. You then don't do your own proper searches on him that, that a Google search ultimately unearthed um, prior to making the announcement and. Yeah, I, and again, Rollo, back to your question. There, there were conversations that were running deep into Tuesday night that, that were of that nature. Now, now, how those conversations take shape today and in days to come, I don't claim to know. But I know the conversations of that nature last night were were, 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 were of that uh, of, of that nature and, and of that topic. What, what do we do now to, to, to change this board yet again? Mm, more to play out. Um, we'll follow it closely, Damo. Appreciate your time this morning. We'll hear from you later on with the late trade with Soss and David Noble. Thanks, boys. Damien Barrett there, David Barham. Under significant pressure, Lordo, and, and this will continue to play out over the coming days, you would think? It's such a different beast, uh, AFL football. So yeah. uh, David Barham, as I said, I, I, he was, uh, I was involved with David at Channel 10, and I, I think he's a fantastic person. And I think he's, his intentions are right. For the football club, and he he's he's he slipped up and he's made some mistakes. This is a big mistake, this one. Mm. Uh, but I thought the hand rutten handling was poor, but I was willing to forgive him in in that sense. Uh, so I'm I'm still behind what he's trying to do to fix the club. But uh, yeah, that one was a, a big mistake yesterday. Pressure building on David Barham, uh, the chairman of the Essendon Football Club. One three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight is our number. We'll work our way through a number of your text messages this morning and you continue to join in the conversation with us whenever you like this morning. It is Continental Tires, AFL Trade Radio, Continental Tires, engineered in Germany, proven in Australia. All the news on the other side of this. The early trade for tyre power. Family safety is never up for trade. A trade news update for Beaumont Tiles. Hey, Tylers, need stock fast? Beaumont Tiles are ready to help with over 115 outlets stocked up. Yeah, a lot of news around and what is going to be the biggest trade period, busiest, I should say, we have ever seen. It's for Beaumont Tiles. Hey, Tylers, need stock fast? Beaumont Tiles are ready to help with over 115 outlets stocked up. We touched on this earlier, but Kautumi from afl.com.au has reported Zane Cordy is set to join St Kilda as an unrestricted free agent on a three-year deal. So he played in the Dogs' 2016 Premiership side. He was offered a two-year deal to stay at the Dogs, um, but will move to St Kilda and be given that extra year on his contract. So um, the Bulldogs have in turn signed unrestricted free agent Liam Jones on a three-year deal. Um, the role that Liam Jones will play at the Dogs, Lauder, I guess it's a role that they haven't had is that interceptor, aggressive mm. defender, but it is somewhat of a risk. Hasn't played footy in 12 months. We know the reasons behind that. He's not young and youthful anymore, and a three-year commitment is significant. So mm. a little bit of a gamble for the Dogs. I still think it's an upgrade. Uh, you know, Cordy goes out, Jones comes in. Yep. Uh, Ryan Gardner, it's undersized a lot with, with what he's doing. So I think Alex Keith. Uh, j- Bevo's just got to back him in. I think he's a good player, but he lost his way towards the end of the year, got left out of the side, uh, Keith, in the end. So if you can yeah, back in Keith and Jones uh, as the two two key backs, I think it's stronger than what Keith and Gardner was uh, this season. And uh, Fremantle football boss Peter Bell says the Dockers uh, are at the mercy of North Melbourne in the trade for out-of-contract swingman Griffin Logue. Um, so the Kangaroos, who finished, well, last for the second season in a row, they got that compensation picks from the AFL, which they had to trade 
future second and a future third round pick, which is going to be exchanged for Griffin Logue and Darcy Tucker. And what I think, North Melbourne haven't had many wins. Um, I think this is a this is a win for North Melbourne, getting those two in for for free, basically, because of the picks that they were given, Lauder. Yeah, add, add some depth to them. Hopefully, Tucker can get a, a little bit of a, a good run with injury. He just uh, had a lot of hamstring issues, uh, so hopefully he can get that. Uh, Griffin Logue, uh, he's been a number three forward, a number three defender. Can he stand up and, and be something for North Melbourne? They're going to be under siege next year, North Melbourne. Uh, can he and Aiden Core uh, hold up? You know, yeah, oust a guy like Josh Walker, who's been getting mm-hmm. a lot of games for them. And I want to ask you the question, Kane, do you think Josh Corbett, who's been uh, linked to go to the Fremantle Dockers, is that enough for them to go, OK, we've got Corbett, we'll let uh, Lobb go now? So he, I know he's a good mark, not a great mm-hmm. kick, but do you think that would be enough for Fremantle to go, OK, we've got Corbett, let him go? Probably. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see um, Lobb staying at Fremantle. Yeah. We touched on this yesterday. Yes. Freeman are really strong that they're going to hold him for the contract, but Corbett, I don't know. Mm. He's one of those, one of those players that it's a bit of top up, isn't yeah. it? Really, like it's not a guarantee. They've been searching for a key forward for so long. Mm. Jai Miss they committed to with pick eight in last year's draft, and I like him, but to me he's more of your floating third yeah. sort of Eric Hipwood type than a key forward, which they just haven't had since Matthew Pavlich retired. So. Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned about mm. Fremantle and the fact that they're weakening their list during this trade period despite Luke Jackson coming in. Uh, text coming through, and we'll get to a few of those. And, of course, whenever you want to give us a call, you can do so. We've got lines available right now. You get straight through. one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight is the number. Uh, great day for North yesterday. A couple of good signings. And also, it was interesting to see what happened down the road at the Bombers. There's a text coming through. I thought it was a, a, a little win for North Melbourne, and they needed one. G'day, Lordo, with the latest fallout at the Bombers. Does this close the door on picking up any players during this trade period, ponders James? I think the only player they've really been going after is Bowes anyway, so they've decided to just stick with the list that they've got, not make too many changes. So, yeah, Jack Bowes might look at it and go, okay, uh, geez, that worries me a little bit about what I'd be walking into. But uh, compared to a club like Geelong, who are uh, the reigning premiers and as, as settled as you could be. So, yeah, it may go against them with, with the Bows uh, decision. Uh, and a big reaction to Lordo's real soft sort of dismissal that's been posted on social media. If you want to check that out, a few texts coming through. In the meantime, let's go to Laura, who joins us from Tassie. Uh, Laura, good morning to you. You want to speak about Adelaide and Matt Crouch? Uh, yeah, just wanted to ask um, uh, if, if any of you know um, or have heard about the situation at all. It's gone pretty quiet, Laura. He's got one year to go on his contract at Adelaide. Now, they have said publicly that they're really happy to have Matt Crouch around the football club. I would think Matt would love some other opportunities, but like Tom Mitchell and that style of player that... There aren't clubs sort of beating down the door to get them. And this may be one that bobs up later on throughout the trade period and, and a club swoops for some midfield depth. But at the moment, there hasn't been a lot of interest in Matt Crouch, which is, you know, the fall from grace for him from a best and fairest winner, prolific midfielder to, to where he is now, not being able to get a game in a bottom four side has been significant. But that's, I guess that's been the role of those slower midfielders who don't penetrate with their ball use. So we'll wait and see how that plays out over the next week or so. Daniel is in Canberra. Uh, you want to speak about Adelaide also? Dan, good morning. What's your thoughts? Yeah, good day, Just wondering, I haven't heard much about what's going on with the Rankin trade, whether there's any feeling and dealing behind the doors. Wondering if the Crows might have something bigger in the pipeline as well. 
think that's their priority, Daniel. And they committed to, to Isaac Rankin. Big contract. Pick five is on the table. I think this will get done pretty soon, Lordo. Perhaps just some haggling around, you know, pick five, but some pick swaps or a bit of steak knife stuff happening. But it uh, feels like there's pretty good will between Gold Coast and the Crows. Yeah, Daniel, you sound like that. Do you think that'd be the main? Yeah, you know, when you get a player like Rankin in and, and it's such a significant contract that they're offering him, uh, I don't think they need to do too much else. Uh, the Adelaide Crows, uh, with with pretty much it takes out uh, their, their picks at the moment are 5, mm. 23, 81, so they give up pick five. Uh, and I don't think they can do too much else, the Adelaide Crows. Good on you, Dan. Let's go to Chris, who wants to speak about the Bombers. Hi, Chris. Hi, Dan. Uh, I just thought that some of the commentary a bit earlier. First of all, I, I don't agree with his positions at all. Um, I think the key problem for um, the Essendon CEO is that he was the chair of the board of the church. That's the problem. I, I think if he had stood down um, from that position, um, it would have been tenable for him to remain as the Essendon CEO. I think the fact that he was chair, that puts him in a different position. But I thought some of the commentary today sort of bordered on um, challenging his um, beliefs. Um, whether we agree or don't agree with them, and I don't agree with them, um, mm. he should be able to hold those beliefs. I think the problem, though, is that he was in a position as chair where he's almost endorsing um, mm. some of the um, some of the commentary that had been in all the um, the sermons, the previous sermons, even though he wasn't in the position at the time. I think that's the problem. Not so much that he was a member of the church that has beliefs that aren't, aren't mainstream and don't align with um, ours. It's the fact that he, he was the chair of that in, um, organisation that's the problem for him. Yeah, I think that's fair, Chris. I, I think that's a, a pretty fair comment that you've made and that's sort of the, a similar view um, that I see and the fact that he was given the option to choose the church or the footy club and he, he stuck with the church, I think clearly that made his position uh, untenable at the club with the inclusion that Essendon um, have shown and the inclusion that the AFL have shown as well. So I think you summed it up pretty well. Mark says, this is hard for Lloydie and you can tell watching, but let's face it, for almost 20 years, Essendon have been a non-factor in the AFL. Um, I don't usually agree with Damo, but he's spot on with everything he said on Andrew Thornburn and David Barham. To be honest, it sounds like Barham's intentions might be there, but the role might be a step too far for his talents as president of a football club, says Mark in Sydney. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it has been tough, to be honest, Kane. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, you Essendon, when I walked in there, the respect that the club had, and for a lot of my career, we were just uh, such a powerful group yeah. on and off the field. We had great leadership off the field. We had great leadership on the field, and uh, you hate seeing your club eat, your, eat their own, uh, and there's been a lot of that in, in recent times. Uh, now I look at what an important role, say, for example, you know, Dave Barham, uh, yeah, I really rate Dave, but it's about having good football people around him. So you can be great in some aspects, but mm. you don't understand football like football people do. So that's where uh, Sean Wellman is stepping down. Simon Madden's left the club. You've got Kevin Sheedy, who's not mm. on the same page. So Andrew Welsh joins the board. So he becomes really, really important. So that's what I think David needs, good football people around him you know, to help with these decisions. Uh, you know, and just have that football element to them to help uh, you know, when, you, when you're unsure of yourself. It'd be like us walking into the NAB, for example, and yeah. we might have components that are good, but we don't understand certain aspects. So that's where Dave needs a lot of support. All right, thanks for your calls. Keep those coming through, and you can send us a text, 0419187323. It is the early trade. It's for tyre power. Family safety is never up for trade. Uh, truth or lie, I got in trouble yesterday. I 
Um, with Tim Lamb, I, I didn't necessarily call him a lie, but that was the mm. way it was reported on social media. It was more of a a bit more of a fun mm. segment, truth or spin. Did you cop a phone call, call did this you, morning. Or? I didn't cop a phone oh. call, but I I did make a phone call just to the, okay. the social media team yes. to say that that was a bit of, uh, out of line with the way that the segment was set to be. Do we need to, to change it to truth or spin? Yeah, truth or spin. Yeah, I mean. yeah. We'll call it spin. I think lie was a, was, was a bit harsh, but I think you get what we're saying. So we'll hear from some audio, and then you'll decide whether the clubs are telling the truth or whether they're spinning their way through this trade period. We're here for tyre power. Tyre power's free safety check ensures your car is safe. Get the power with tyre power. Truth or spin after this. The early trade for tyre power. Family safety is never up for trade. Yeah, it's a very good morning to you. I understand there's just been a couple of technical issues as well, um, just with the audio streaming. Um, I think you can works pretty well if you watch us on video, but uh, we're hearing you and the team behind the scenes are working on that. You can get involved throughout the morning. We know the number is one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight. It's the early trade for tyre power. Family safety is never up for trade. Yesterday, we sort of started to do a new segment. We initially called it Truth or Lie, but when it's written... Um, up on a social media headline. It's a bit confronting the lie, so we'll change the name to Truth or Spin. Tim Lamb from the Melbourne Football Club is exceptional at what he does as their list boss. He joined Trade Exchange yesterday, and he was asked about Toby Bedford. Oh, at least you stopped somewhere. Um, <laughs> ah, look, we, we, rate, we rate Toby really highly. Like He was part of our Next Generation Academy We've put four years of development into Toby. He was on the verge, you know, he's in our 23 for most of the season in a team that finished second on the ladder. So we think he's, as I said yesterday, he's done his apprenticeship, Toby. He's a qualified tradesman who I would expect would play a lot of footy um, for the Giants. So, um, yeah, that's nice. Jace has said he thought that we'd get the deal done. We might have a different view. A differing view on what Toby Bedford is worth. I think it was a pick in the 40s that the Giants were keen to send to Melbourne for Toby. Is it truth or spin that they rate Toby Bedford that highly, Lordo? I'd say spin uh, from Tim. <laughs> uh, I think a pick in the 40s is a fair uh, because I think he's been a fringe player. Like he's a, he's a, I, I picture Toby as a sub. That's how I picture Toby yep. through his career at Melbourne. So I think I'm really pleased for him. And I hope that sometimes there can be good faith in deals and Melbourne can go, what a great opportunity this is for Toby to get three years at the GWS Giants where he'll play every week. Uh, and uh, I don't think, because I look at the picks of the GWS Giants, they've got pick three, pick 12, pick 19, pick 21. Mm. They're all too early. And the next pick is 44, which I think would be about right. Yeah, I agree with you. I couldn't have seen it better. I, um, I, I've got no issue with him talking up his player and trying to get the best value, but to think you're going to get any more than mm. a pick in the 40s for Toby Bedford, a player that didn't play, uh, that is spin. I'm not picking on Tim. It was just the fact that he was speaking yesterday. Clearly, there's a stalemate between Melbourne and Fremantle over Luke Jackson. Are they going to have a look at West Coast and are they taking offers from both clubs? Have a listen. Um, for Luke to get back to Western Australia. So where that stands at the moment is, you know, we're just waiting for the best offers from both clubs. We've had, we've had some initial chats with both of them, um, but it hasn't progressed very far at all at the moment. Truth or spin that uh, Luke Jackson could do a backflip and play for West Coast next year, Lordo? Spin. 
Yeah, yeah. he's playing for the Fremantle Dockers, Kano. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't hear the full interview with that, so uh, I've got to be careful too. But, uh, yeah, I think he'll play for the Fremantle Dockers. So it's just a matter of the negotiations uh, playing out, Kano. Yeah, you can absolutely see why Melbourne would be open to listening to West Coast yeah. because they've got pick two. And that looks a bit more attractive than what Fremantle have at the moment. Um, but you're right. Uh, once Luke Jackson commits to a club, very rare that he won't find his way there, considering he's out of contract as well. Uh, we've spoken a lot about uh, young players demanding trades in the early stages of their career. David Kosh was asked about this and whether the rules need to change, but he's got a different view. Let's have a listen. I'd say that the responsibility is on the club to um, have the best uh, football program possible and to um, really um, try and become a, a destination club uh, and have a program that is highly regarded within the industry. And, uh, and I think that's a challenge for all clubs, to, get, to keep good players and attract good players, is to become an employer of choice. And that's what we've tried to do. Bit of a whack at North Melbourne there. Truth or spin that it's on the clubs to keep your players more so than changing the rules that we've discussed recently? There's obviously different clubs, you know, who are uh, established and, you know, and obviously there's a lot of boys who are drafted from Victoria. So you're at an advantage if you're drafted to a Victorian club. But a lot of truth there from Koshy. I think that that's number one, first and foremost. You create an environment and you've got 24 months to have a player say, uh, I don't want to, I love it here and I don't want to go mm. anywhere else. So I look at the Brisbane Lions and they were a mess at one point where I remember uh, Sam Doherty left them. James Jared H, Pollock. Jared Pollock, Billy yeah. Longer. They had all these guys who just didn't want to be there. And now they've become a destination club because you've got good people in the football club. So uh, that, it can change if you can sort yourself out. And you know, and that's where, um, yeah, uh, there's a lot of truth for what Koshy said. That audio, thanks to 5AA. And we'll hear from David Koshy a little bit later on just of how long they've been trying to target Jason Horn Francis and the fact that Ken Hinckley had a significant role in attracting him to Port Adelaide. The final truth or spin comes from our very own Brenton Sanderson. He spoke about what Isaac Rankin is worth. No, I think I think just the one pick for Isaac Rankin. I think pick five would be a fair trade. Straight Adelaide's, swap. Yeah, Adelaide's pick five for Rankin. I, I can't see. And maybe some back-end swaps of picks and... And maybe a player at the right at the back end, but yeah, I think uh, that's a fair trade for me. Isaac Rankin for pick five. Pick five for Isaac Rankin, Lordo. Ooh, fair or ooh, not? Sando did then go, and then maybe a few late picks and uh, a late player too. He softened so, it. He, didn't softened he? it. He did. So Come on, uh, maybe Sando. a bit of spin there from Sando. He wouldn't yeah. want to negotiate for you, Sando, because he started pick <laughs> five, and then he's just worked out a, a little bit more after that. So is he worth more than when he was drafted four years ago, Isaac Rankin? Has anything that he's done in the first four years of his career? And there's some football analysts and I, I work with David King he, he loves Isaac Rankin mm. he just he raves about him being one of the you know, if not the most talented players in the competition so he would say he's worth more I look at Isaac Rankin and go well in in four years you haven't done a whole lot are you actually worth more than when you were picked what's your view I'll say yes uh, I think that he's done enough where I'd say and, and Koshy's right in a good environment I'd be pretty excited so if Adelaide can get their act together and create a strong environment, and they can have other players who can improve to assist. My worry is what he's got around him. Again, mm. he's walking into an environment where, you know, they've got players like Sloan uh, banged up, uh, coming towards the end. Uh, Tex Walker, good player, but coming towards the end. Yeah. Who are the best young players? 
at Adelaide Kane. Who would you name as the best young players? Uh, well, I love Rochelle and yeah. I love Phil Thorpe. So they're two that I think can build an elite yeah. forward line. And then there's there's a lot of young ones through the midfield. But in terms of off-the-charts talent, that would be my who'd, concern. Who would be the best midfielder that he'd play with? Yeah, him? well, that, that's that's the problem. So they've got a lot of midfielders that are the same. For, for yeah. some reason, Adelaide are obsessed with 183 slow, competitive midfielders. Mm. There's there's a, there's so many of them. Berry and Pedler and yeah. Keys and players like that. So... They don't have a point of difference in the midfield and, and Laird's another one would be my concern yep. for the Adelaide Football Club. Sloan's another one. Truth or spin, what do you reckon? Did we get it right? 0419-187-323. Bit of news around from the St. Kittle Football Club. We'll address that next. This is Continental Tires, AFL Trade Radio. Continental Tires, engineered in Germany, proven in Australia. Back with the news after this. A trade news update for Beaumont Tiles. Hey, Tylers, need stock fast? Beaumont Tiles are ready to help with over 115 outlets stocked up. Fresh news out of the St Kilda Football Club for Beaumont's. Hey, Tylers, need stock fast? Beaumont Tiles are ready to help with over 115 outlets stocked up. So the Saints have officially appointed Jeff Walsh as their Executive General Manager of Football Fancy Title Hill oversee all facets of the men's football program, including coaching, high-performance, strategy, and recruitment. Lordo, we know he's got a long CV in the game, uh, has worked at Collingwood and North Melbourne. He's also been involved in four flags and 35 finals series. He was awarded AFL Life membership in 2016. You spoke about Essendon having good football people at the football club and how important that is. So Jeff Walsh coming into the Saints is is a significant appointment. Yeah, I think the president, Andrew Bassett, is a, a ruthless person and uh, he, he hasn't liked what he's seen. So, yeah, a fair bit of change in the uh, Saints football department at St Kilda. Yeah. How do you see the pressure on Brett Ratton, the coach? Eight and three really capitulated towards the back end of the season but did get that contract extension for a couple of years but would be one of the coaches under the most pressure heading into next year, wouldn't he? Yeah, he would be. Yeah, I think they have to play finals, you would think, to put Brett uh, yeah, yeah. To keep his position the following season. Righto, we love doing Lordo's list. Let's get to that now. Lloydie's List for Rhino Rack. Make space for adventure with Rhino Rack and their roof rack solutions for the all-new Ford Ranger. So yesterday's edition was the 10 players that didn't win at Best and Ferris and unbelievable some of the names on Lloydie's list yesterday that didn't. It's for Rhino Rack. Make space for adventure with their roof rack solutions. Visit rhinorack.com.au to learn more. Well, the only positive out of Andrew Thorburn uh, is it's, it's given me a list and it's the shortest <laughs> AFL appointments, Kane. Uh, the shortest AFL appointments uh, in a number of facets of our game. So um, at number eight, uh, I've got uh, James Fantasia. He was uh, the Hawthorne head of football, and he, la- right. yeah, he lasted six months. I think uh, Clarkson, I don't think that went too well uh, between those two. And then sort of links in the number seven. In 2017, Tracy Gordry became the first female CEO of a football club, and mm. she lasted five months, Kane, in that job at the Hawthorne Football Club. At number six, I've got a bit of audio, Kane. I've brought some audio to the yes, table. Yes, you've done your research. And uh, this is uh, Mel Meninga and Billy Brownless when they turned <laughs> to, to, to politics. A number of reasons. Um, I guess throughout my sporting career, I've had the, the urge to do community work, and I think I've you know I've really worked hard on that aspect uh, my 16 years in Canberra. And the thing about that is that I was, I guess, a public figure, and I was put up on a, as a... As, 
on the podium where I was just a person out there making sure that I was, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm bugging it. I'm sorry. So Marilyn Lincoln is leaving the studio. <laughs> he was buggered. He was buggered after his first question. I can't get enough of it. Yeah, and then here's Billy Brownless's first stint as a politician. Oh, well. look, I've got to go away and have a good thing about it. Because honestly, oh, yeah. uh, that's what I'll do now. I'm just going to talk to a few people uh, and, and uh, have a good thing about it. One of the big issues in North Geelong, literacy with uh, school children, uh, yeah. uh, drug abuse. What are the big issues in North Geelong? Uh, yeah, always. But, uh, as you know, I, 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 look, I haven't got a great uh, feel of it, and that's what I've got to look at. Uh, so, so that's number six, Mel and Billy, uh, joined together. At number so five, our boss, or your boss, Hutchie, uh, oh. Hutchie Kano, and uh, his stint as host of the footy show after Eddie Maguire. Uh, that lasted eight weeks. Didn't go eight weeks. Eight weeks, about eight weeks. But then uh, I was also part of another one where uh, it was tried. Nerily Meadows, Lemo, Dylan Elcott, and also Fev. That didn't last too much longer, that one, as host of the footy show. Hedy was hard to replace the revamp, so that's a five. At number four, uh, my ex-teammate, Andrew Lovett, he lasted one off-season at St Kilda. So he was draft-traded. They gave up a first-round selection for Lovett, and by December, his contract was terminated. So that was a sad one. Number three, uh, a couple of coaches. Uh, Bernie Quinlan, it was sad. He left Channel 7 where he was having a good media career. He went to coach Fitzroy in 1995 and he was gone after 19 weeks. Two mm. wins and 17 losses as coach of Fitzroy. Oh, Number shit. two, this was controversial. Also a bit of audio of this man, Malcolm Blight, when he was a coach of St Kilda. I couldn't give a rat's toss bag whether he thought I could coach or anyone thinks I can coach or could play. I don't care. Have an opinion, we all have an opinion. But when he talked about commitment to St Kilda, for the time I was there, it's absolute garbage, made by a very naive person. So that was when St Kilda were questioning whether he was on the golf course more than at Moorabbin trying <laughs> to coach. Blighty. So Blighty at number two, he coached for 15 weeks in 2001, Blighty. Had a record of three wins and 12 losses, Kane. Huge contract too, yeah, wasn't huge. it? Huge. Back in the day. And uh, yeah, our man Andrew Thorburn's at one. 30 hours. 30 hours he lasted as the CEO of the Bombers, unfortunately. What a list. That's an all-time list. Shortest appointments in AFL football. James Fantasia, Tracy Gordry, Mao Meninga and our man Billy Brownless in politics. Hutchie got a mention. Nez and the revamp footy show crew after Eddie Maguire and the A-team, uh, Andrew Lovett, Bernie Quinlan, Malcolm Blight and Andrew Thornburn at the Bombers. Lloydie's list for Rhino Rack. Check them out, rhinorack.com.au. Plenty to get through on the other side of this. I've got a, another little game I want to play for you, Lotto, mm. this morning. I've got some concerns about just the, just the landscape of AFL footy. I'm going to put a couple of questions to you on the other side of this. Of course, if you want to jump on, we've got lines available, one 55 48 You can have your say on that. We'll hear from David Kosh, who spoke about Jason Horn francis and their targeting of them. And what's going to get the deal done for Luke Jackson? We'll hear from Tim Lamb on that one. It is Continental Tires AFL Trade Radio, engineered in Germany, proven in Australia. Back with plenty more after this. If I was for Henley Homes, build a Henley solar-powered all-electric home and save up to 70% on your energy bills. If I was is for Henley Homes, you can buy a Henley completed home and move in now. Henley completed homes now selling in Mickleham and Tarnit, henley.com.au. Lordo, if I was the board of a football club, I'd start to understand how important it is to have 
stability as a, uh, in your coaching structure and I guess those mentors during this period of time to potentially um, entice trades to come to your clubs. Now, I think the uh, recruitment of Jason Horn francis to Port Adelaide is significant. Let's have a listen to the chairman, David Kosh, speaking about how they targeted him and why he wants to come to Port. We've, uh, we've sort of been working um, and communicating with Jason and his parents um, uh, for a little while now and to make sure that, that he's comfortable um, with with what we're doing at Port Adelaide and uh, with Ken, his parents are uh, big fans of Ken and um, and what Ken could do to um, to to Jason's uh, development going forward. So we're super excited. Yes, yeah, so there's a lot of conjecture about Ken Hinckley's future at the end of uh, the season. A lot of Port Adelaide supporters wanted him removed. Get the feeling if I was Port Adelaide, they're pretty happy that he stayed. Just say Horn Francis turns out to be Dustin Martin or mm. Patrick Dangerfield. The significance of that and keeping Ken Hinckley, if he had a, a role to play in this, is huge for the club. So that stability we've spoken about, so important. It is, Kano. And uh, I suppose if I was a club, I'd start to look at who's the next Neil Baum. Like who, mm. who is somebody of that stature who people just feel good around and he can help in situations? You know, Barmy's been around yeah, a long, long time and I suppose why Jeff Walsh walks into St Kilda because they feel he's a good football person who's seen it all. I just wonder who the next one is within a football club uh, to, to be a sounding board that you go, OK, I want to get that person within my football club. Um, you know, I think Choco Williams has been a good, yeah. good pick-up for, for Melbourne. Uh, you know, he's not everyone's cup of tea at times. He can be in your face, but uh, those good football people, because we're just seeing clubs just to self-destruct uh, more and more uh, Yeah, the, at the bottom end and then the good clubs. Hey, the, we're meant to tighten this competition, but the good mm. clubs are just getting further and further apart. Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah. Who's the next? Neil Barm, 0419187323. That was If I Was. Right, Julian has been waiting patiently. Uh, Jules, good morning. You want to speak about the Bombers? Yeah, hi boys, how are you? Good. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, just wanted to kind of your opinion on Andrew Thorburn, or just to probably play a bit of devil's advocate here. Now, he's obviously had a lot of pressure put on him, given where he stands, he's been in the church and things like that. A lot of the point of views that have come out weren't necessarily set by himself. Like, yeah, I'll take myself, for instance, I'm Catholic. Doesn't mean I necessarily take on the view of everything that I've that is in within the Catholic Church itself. To me, should the pressure more be on and criticism be on David Brower for not really reading the field and reading the probably the state of play and probably looking at going, well, is that a wise decision from a public point of view? Yeah, I think that has what is playing out at the moment, Julian. And I, th- I think you're right. You can separate your views from that of the church. But the fact that he's chairman of the church, I think that makes it a bit more problematic. And I think that's where um, he's come into trouble with this. But certainly, Lordo, as we spoke to Damien Barrett this morning, if you're just joining us, Damien Barrett from afl.com.au says David Barham under significant pressure and, and he believes he should stand down as well. But thanks for your call, mate. We'll move on and go to Sean in Adelaide. Uh, how does the Isaac Rankin deal get done, Sean? Um, I'm pretty happy with a pick five, realistically, at the end of the day, after offering three first-rounders last year for Jason Horn francis We've been able to turn those three picks into Rochelle, Rankin and Dawson, 
And I think getting a spread of players in a rebuilding list is beneficial than going after the one star. What's your thoughts on that? What's your expectations on, on the club next year, Sean? It'll be year four of, of a significant rebuild. Um, what's a pass mark for the where, where you finish on the ladder next year as, at the Crows? You'd be looking at always for the constant improvement and going from seven to about nine, ten wins and then pushing the edge of finals. I, I believe that Rankin has progressed through his career. Started with injuries, started with having some work off the field and then now I think he's got the potential to turn into Shea Bolton in the next year or two. He's ready to explode into the game. I think it's the perfect... He can have, add that class where you've got all the hard workers around the ball. Good on you, mate. I like that call from Sean. I think it's a really balanced. Yeah, seven wins, uh, nine... 9-10 next year would be a good step. And, and you're spot on, just adding some class to what uh, they, they lack. So their their effort was really strong, wasn't it? They, yeah, yeah. Week in and week out, but just lacked the class uh, that other teams have to go on and win win a lot of those games. So yeah. Rankin should certainly help that. Yeah, that's what impressed me about uh, Adelaide this year, just uncompromising, really, apart from perhaps one or two games. They, they're in most games that they play and that they do play a, a brutal style of football. Good on you, Sean. Thanks for your thoughts. Uh, Luke is on the line. He wants to speak about the Bombers. Hi, Luke. G'day, Kano and Lloydy. Um, my question is how the current instability at Essendon, we currently have no, uh, no CEO, we may not have a champion in another day. How does that impact how attractive the club is um, to, to players that potentially want to request a trade or join the club? Well, Luke, I I have caught up with a player yesterday. Often, you know, someone will say, oh, will you catch up with me and just talk footy? And I did it with a player yesterday. And they love the Brad Scott meeting. Like, uh, they Brad Scott got them maybe before the best and fairest, the Crichton medal night on Monday night. And he just finished with, uh, you know, the way you... First impressions, you only get one. And the way you turn up to day one of pre-season will say a lot about each and every one of you. And the way he said it, they all just sat up and took notice. And they know... They're on edge. They're already on edge, and they walked away saying uh, that these are standards that we've been crying out for, and we we're fine, look like we're going to get under Brad Scott. So you need more than Brad Scott. You need you know, a wonderful CEO, a wonderful chairman, a great board, and that's where all the change is at. But uh, Brad Scott uh, is the person, I think, that has mm. that maturity that can uh, uh, wade through this until lessons sort themselves out. So, yeah, you're spot on about players. They would be asking themselves a lot of questions, but things can certainly change over the next 12 months, if a club like Collingwood have done, start to make some good good decisions. Well, and they're not going to be that aggressive um, no. during the trade period anyway. So in terms of recruiting those senior figures into the club player-wise, it's not the way that they're going down. And I did love the fact that Brad Scott's speaking about building it from the ground up and continuing to build the list in the right way and going yeah. about it through youth and and going for more of a longer-term sustained success than perhaps just that quick fix. Uh, Lord, I, you touched on it before, but I wanted to ask you uh, and put you through just a little bit of an exercise in terms of the landscape of the teams in the competition. So pretty straightforward uh, little situation we're going to play here. I'm going to mention a club, and you're going to tell me yes or no, can they win the premiership next year? Okay. North Melbourne? No. West Coast? No. Can the Giants win the premiership no. next year? No. Can Essendon win the premiership next no. year? No. Can the Crows win it? No. Can Hawthorne win no. it? No. Gold Coast. Can Gold Coast win the flag next uh, year? No. Can Port Adelaide win the premiership next year? I'll say yes. Can St Kilda win the premiership next year? No. So we've got one. 
Can Carlton win it? I'll say no. Can the Bulldogs win the flag next year? Yes. Richmond? Yes. Brisbane? Yes. Fremantle? Yes. Collingwood? Yes. Sydney? Yes. Melbourne and Geelong? Yes yes, and yes. yes. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Only eight teams can win the yeah. Premiership as we well, sit here right now. That's in my opinion, yes. What yeah. about you? No, I, I'm with you. I, I think I would have said, you said no to Port Adelaide. I, would, I said yes for Port. You said, yeah. so there was one that you said no to that I would say mm. yes to. Perhaps it was the Bulldogs or Carlton. It's not a great situation, is it, for the AFL to be in? When you're starting the season, mm. and most people would be of the view of you, there'd be one or two differences that over half of the competition cannot win the premiership in November of the, mm. the year we're coming into. Well, I, I'm surprised I never didn't know what I was going to say. I just thought of it as a yeah, no, that's, good. that's I'm, what I wanted. I'm pleased. I'm pleased that it was nine. <laughs> I would have thought because often by round four or five, it'll be probably five. <laughs> teams, to be honest, once you see them. And I wouldn't have thought that Collingwood, though, I would have said no about Collingwood this time last year. And yep. someone will jump up uh, that you just do not expect. So some of those no's that I said, I'll be one of them may finish top five and be a chance. Uh, you know, Fremantle were a club that shocked me. Collingwood were a team that surprised me. So again, it's getting your act together. Fremantle look to be getting their act together off the field, on the field. Collingwood off the field, on the field. And that's where a lot of these clubs who are, I did say no to, uh, just uh, don't mm. make good decisions off the field. And that's as critical as on the field, Kana. So I feel like, and the reason I wanted yeah. to ask you that, I feel like it's becoming more significant. And we're, we're seeing this play out through the trade period where, yeah, Richmond are going to get stronger. Like Geelong, look, yeah. look at what mm. they are going to do. Not only are they able to stay up the top, they can revitalise the youth coming through their list and target players that, that they they sort of bypass the development stages, the first one, two years of the career, which is inconsistent. So Henry and Bruin and players like that come in. So they get stronger. Um, and, yeah. and just the others that are, are getting weaker behind it. So I think it's an issue for the AFL. I don't know how you solve it, but to think that you could be North Melbourne and how far away you are from a premiership, it should never get to that. And then you lose more players for this trade period and significant ones. So... Just something that the yeah. AFL needs to think about, but, I think. But then on Essendon, like they were once a destination club and a, a place you'd love to yeah. go to. But West Coast was the yeah, same. Yeah, the same. And, and West Coast have uh, never been so, uh, I don't like the word irrelevant, so I won't use it, but they've never been uh, unspoken of uh, more so like they are now. Like you spoke about who's the, who, what jumper you're putting on your back, what number you're putting on your back. You can't really name too many about mm. West Coast. So they've fallen right off the perch, Essendon have as well. So uh, it's on those clubs to do the right thing. And it's amazing how players will want to come to you. Sam Mitchell, he started the climb a little bit last year because Hawthorne became a bit of a dull club. And Carl Amon's gone there. And you know Mark Stevens is suggesting this morning that Jack Bowes uh, might be the favourite in that situation. So, um, you know, it, they're starting to climb themselves, the Hawks, after what they had a great period, lost it for a little bit, and now they're trying to climb back. Yeah, all right. Bit of reaction to that as well. And, and each people will have their different views on who can win it or not. Um, but I think you get the idea that I think would most of us would agree that over half the teams cannot win the premiership in this situation, which isn't great for a, a competition that sees itself as even. Uh, Baz sent us a tweet. He said, I made the mistake of turning on trade radio when Kane was on talking about the Crows. Talking about top end talent, he doesn't mention Dawson, Peddler, Berry, 
slow standard mids. Apparently, well, Pedler and Berry are are your, your slow, competitive, tackling, contested players in the Adelaide midfield that are about the height of sort of 182, 183 centimetres, and there's a lot of them. Um, and Jordan Dawson, yeah, terrific, 26 next year. But I think most Adelaide fans would agree that their preference has been for the similar type through the midfield, and they need a point of difference. But you can have your say on that or any other topic. How many teams do you see winning the Premiership next year, realistically? 0419-187-323. All the news of the day coming up on the other side of this. It is the early trade for tyre power. Family safety is never up for trade. Uh, let's hand the show over to you. You can have your say for the last half an hour or so. There's uh, lines available. And as always, you can join in the conversation with whatever topic you like. We've got you covered right throughout the day here on Trade Radio as news continues to float around the place and clubs look to get deals done. one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight 48 is the open line. Ryan is on the phone and one of those deals will be Brody Grundy moving to Melbourne. Uh, Ryan, you're a Collingwood fan. How do you feel about this? Yeah, look, obviously not great, boys. Um, just a quick one. Um, so, Age reported yesterday that Grundy was willing to take a pay cut mm. when he gets to Melbourne. Just wondering, obviously, we're, we're dumping him there for salary reasons. Why would he not be willing to take a pay cut at Collingwood so he can stay at the players where he wanted to stay all along? He wants to stay, Ryan, but the club doesn't want him to stay. So, they're looking to... Uh, they want to move him on. We've touched on it this week that... They're not looking to invest that much in, in one player and, and a ruckman. So, unfortunately, uh, Brody doesn't get his wish in this situation. That's how I read it, that they, they have wanted to move Brody on. He, uh, so that, that that's how it's played out. And he goes now to a club who sees it fitting with him playing with Max Gorn, whereas I don't think they see a fit for Grundy at Collingwood. Mm. Melbourne spoke about uh, his recruitment yesterday and, and the fact that Simon Goodwin is really excited about the prospect of Grundy and Gorn together and the flexibility that that gives them. So clearly that's a, a big gamble and a big watch this space, but I'm excited also to see how that plays out at Melbourne. But yeah, a lot of Collingwood fans giving us the feedback that they're disappointed that Brody Grundy is leaving. Uh, Marcus is on the line. Marcus, we've been speaking a little bit about equalisation and the fact it's failing in the AFL. What's your thoughts? Uh, hi, Kane um, and Lloydie. So, yeah, Kane, sorry, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot with this, but yeah, I know you talked about sort of the difference between the teams at the top and the teams at the bottom. The, the gap is too large, I guess. You said for the AFL to look into it. What would be your sort of proposal to try and equalise it to make it fairer? Yeah, I think there's a few things that you can do, Marcus. You can ban teams that finish in the top eight from participating in free agency so or, or teams that have had significant success over, um, over a period of time. So, you know, not that... Tim Taranto was was a free agent, so to speak, but for Richmond to be able to go and grab two key midfielders from a bottom four side in their prime, I'm not sure that's a great endorsement. You'd have a look at Geelong winning the premiership. Uh, are they capable of stealing players away from other clubs that have only been there for two years? Would you you know make them unable to do that? You've got to look at you know um, a length of time for contracted players who have been drafted. So you know there's no way that Jason Horn Francis should be able to leave North Melbourne after one year. So there's some levers that you can pull. Uh, you you can look at the draw and you can have a look at is it fair that Collingwood and Richmond play 14 games at the MCG? There's, there's all sorts of things that you can do. I'm just saying there needs to be um, you know the AFL need to start taking it seriously because you can't start the season having 10 teams incapable of winning the premiership. 
that's not good for anyone. So there's a few levers that the AFL could look at there. I know, understand some of those are controversial. Appreciate your call, mate. Let's go to Corbin in Werribee. You want to speak about equalisation as well, Corbin? Yeah, boys. How are you? Good. That's good. Um, so, I mean, it just goes to that saying, the rich get richer, doesn't it? Like, I understand players want to go home to their home state, but at the same time, it always seems to be the better team of that home state. So when can it get to a point where the club that's drafted the player can have priority, just like priority to say, look, we've drafted you, we've taken the time, but we want to go chase the deal that we think is going to benefit us for the time that we've put in. So, yeah, so that's, yeah, that's the other, the other factor here as well. Um, and we speak about this regularly, but clubs having more power with where they send players to. So, you know, you you can't have situations where Horn Francis just says, I'm going to one club. If he wants to be traded, North Melbourne should be able to go, okay, well, we can send you to whatever club we like, provided the club will pick up your contract. So that, that's the other um, aspect that the AFL can look at, Lord. But the hard part is, in Jason's case, is he knowing what he would be like. So if you're a club and you can see Jason doesn't want to be there and be there for you, uh, makes it difficult to want to trade for him. Uh and he might want to leave another year or two later. Uh, and Port Adelaide, because he's only named one club, North Melbourne uh, are going to get a lot for him because they know there's only one buy. And they know Port have to bend over backwards to try and get him, just like Fremantle are going to have to for Luke Jackson. Also got a text, Kane, saying, you didn't an- answer the question, why wouldn't Grundy take a pay cut to stay at the Pies? I think uh, with Collingwood as well, they've, they've got a lot of players that are coming in. So they've, they've banked on Grundy leaving for a fair period of time as well with McStay and Bobby Hill and Fiorini, potentially Tom Mitchell. So they want this move to happen. So uh, they, I don't think it would have mattered whether he took a pay cut or not. And I don't think he'd be feeling that much goodwill with Collingwood, Brody Grundy. I, I don't know, and I'm not speaking on his behalf, but I'm not sure he'd be feeling great about the Collingwood Football Club where he's going to go, oh, hang on, you've treated me like this. Now I'm going to take a pay cut for you and, and do you a favour. So I'm not sure how the relationship is between Brody Grundy and Collingwood, but you're right, this has been spoken about for a long, long time before it even got to the prospect of him taking a pay cut. Just on Jason Horn francis Port Adelaide scrambling to get this deal done. Their GM of football is Chris Davies. He spoke about what might unlock this trade yesterday. There's a range of different players here from, you know, Zach Butters at one end to, to Josh Sin, who's just got there, to Miles Bergman, who's perhaps interested in a move back to, to Melbourne. Xavier Dersma is another one who's had a difficult season. Is there a, a group that's untouchable there? Or can you rule any of them out for us? Or where does it sit in terms of the, the players that may, may not be involved, appreciating the fact there's a lot of water to go under well, the bridge? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the easiest way for me to, to answer that question is, not one of those players have suggested that they want to leave Port Adelaide and, and nor have we contemplated um, any of those guys leaving Port Adelaide. Mm, there you go. So the prospect of North, as much as they've asked the question about Zach Butters, the most likely scenario here is that it's you know two first-round picks and potentially a second or a third-round pick that would get this done and Jason or Francis will be playing for Port Adelaide next year. Michael's on the line. Uh, you want to speak about equalisation, Michael? I think you've got a different view. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Kane. Yeah, I do, mate. When you start pulling levers to restrict excellence, I think you basically might as well um, you ruin the competition. And I've got two examples to prove that. 
Um, in 2016, honestly, did you think Richmond was going to win the 17, 19 and 20 flag? How bleak did we look? Yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. So, yeah, so if you if you had these clubs at a moment that are down at the bottom of the circle, if you will, it's all about off-field. It's all about making sure you've got the right people, the right development programs, the right, right culture at your club. That's what that's what's the key of turning any club around. Look at Melbourne, for example. When the AFL stepped in, they got Ruse, Goodwin. They went through the apprenticeship. They went through some dark times. But now look where they've come out. So be really cautious on doing these grey line restrictions on trade. And, and, and on trade, the last point, um, what hurts a club more is when you don't have a chance to embed a young kid into your system. So let's look at Jason Horn francis He's only been there one year. For him to be gone to Port Adelaide, who finished, what, 10th, but prior to that have been mm. consistent um, finals um, players, is more detrimental to North Melbourne than, let's say, a GWS who had two players in their system for six to eight years, and then they've lost them. And the last point, Richmond hasn't played 14 games at the MCG since 2017, so I think you need to let that go. But you get my point. The the, the advantage of of the fixture is is significant for those big Victorian clubs, and you're always going to have the attraction to do that. But yeah, uh, uh, some of what you say, uh, Michael, I agree with, and we've we've touched on that getting good people and turning the footy club around. But I don't know how you do that if you're North Melbourne. I honestly don't know how you do that if you're the Giants. I don't know how you do that if you're Gold Coast. So there's some significant factors that are uh, restricting clubs from being able to do that. But uh, I appreciate it. I like some of your views, Kane, and some people have said, love your thoughts, Kane, on equalisation. Uh, the hard part, I, I love, I like your view on Taranto and Hopper, like uh, that the amount of players the Giants do lose uh, and they're, they're cherry-picked time and time again. Uh, but at the same time, I also don't like the fact that we restrict and penalise clubs for just being great operators like mm. the Swans and Geelong are. Like they just do things so much better than other teams do. And they could be penalised for it, Kano. Mm. So that that's the other aspect that I don't like of it. Yeah, Michael's in Caroline Springs. You want to speak about the Blues, Michael? Yeah, just to be sure that though, I will say one thing. I, I admire Geelong. I admire all the clubs successful. And you look at the elements, but Geelong's got one of the best home ground advantages in the competition when it's all said and done. Um, that people seem to forget off quite often. I mean, they don't play finals there, though, Michael. That that when it comes to the crunch, that they're, they're forced to play at the MCG, which which is unfair. So they they do it wherever Geelong. Yeah, but but W's and percentage gives them a top four finish. And as Michael, our coach, said at the end of last season, don't about finishing eighth. We need to be top four to get a real chance at it. But all that aside, anyway. But the reason I wanted to talk about it was I was just interested. Carl's got the third-round pick, and I know that Nick Austin said consistently we are going to go in the draft, and we probably knew that there was going to be something for Liam Jones for a long time. But I was just wondering what it would cost to get Lewis Malican across to the Blues, given that that's probably a need that I think they need to think about now. Interesting one, Michael. He, he, he obviously has played some good football a number of years ago, but uh, hasn't been cited for, for a fair while, Lewis Malican. So you've got Caleb Marchbank there. Is he already a better player than Malican? Uh, you, you obviously uh, you bought in uh, the, uh, the player from the Western Bulldogs last year at, at, at the key back. Um, young. Young as well. So, you know, Jacob Wiedering, uh, you've already got guys, you know, that they've got rid of Liam Stocker in a sense because you've got Sard and you've got Doherty and a lot of these guys that, you know, play, sort of can play tall, can play small. Um, Zach Williams will be back. So I'm just mm. not sure, yeah, you really need him there, Lewis Malikin. 
there you can have your say on that, Carlton fans. But clearly the steal of the trade period is Blake Akers and the role that he will play is important considering it was only a third-round draft pick that it costs to get him. Uh, we'll be back on the other side of this to wrap things up this morning, but we've got you covered right throughout the day on Trade Radio and still plenty of time for you to have your say. There's a stack of texts coming through and difference of opinion on equalisation, which we love, 0419187323. The early trades for Thai Power Family Safety is never up for trade. Back after this. Continental Tyres today. The early trade for Tyre Power. Family safety is never up for trade. Equipped for anything for Coates. We're more than higher. We're equipped for anything. Head to coats.com.au. So it's real. All we can do is put the best football program in place and coaching and development. And that's all we can do. We back ourselves in there. But the reality is... Um, Go home factor is real um, for all interstate clubs, but um, you know, in particular, when I suppose you look at uh, ourselves and the Swans to a lesser extent, there's not, there's never too many coming back our way. That was Jason McCartney from the Giants speaking about the go home factor. Equipped for anything is for coats. We're more than higher. We're equipped for anything. Head to coats.com.au. They don't attract many, do they? Yeah, it's a good He's point right. that he makes. Yeah, if you looked at apart from the early days when they when they landed Phil Davis, I think that was a big one from the Adelaide Crows. But they Cal paid him. Ward, a, they paid yeah. a lot for Phil, though, they didn't did. he? He'd hardly played many games and paid a lot for him. Tom Scully, the amount of money they paid Tom when he didn't deserve it. Uh, yeah, Callum Ward was a good player for them uh, from the Bulldogs, but they've had to overpay. And then now mm. they're in this position where you'd love for them to go, you know what, we, we haven't won a premiership, and the Suns, we haven't won a premiership overpaying. So even like Jack Bowes owed... 1.6 million for two seasons. Like Jack Bowes, 800,000 a year. The money they're paying, and we've discussed what they had to do, the Suns to get Weller, Weller to the club. You know, they said, oh, okay, here's a guy who actually wants to come to us. We have to pay him, you know, uh, pick two, pretty much pick mm. two, Andrew Brayshaw, plus maybe $600,000 or something like that. So, yeah, they do have to pay a big price. Um, and, and they need to be top four or five. Otherwise, no one's really interested in watching them. So it's a really tough, tough situation that they're in. That was equipped for anything. Check out Coats Hire. They're more than high. We're equipped for anything. Head to coats.com.au. Before we leave, a lot of you have sent text messages in. So we'll read those out. Uh, Equalisation. The Kangaroos should be given more bargaining power if an excellent deal doesn't come now. And they are forced to play Jason on Francis next year. And an excellent deal isn't reached then. They are forced to send him to the draft. There should be compensation for the Kangaroos in the way of a similar pick to that of free agency, says Ricky. Uh, G'day, guys. We're hearing that Riley Bonner from Port Adelaide is the key to unlocking the Jason Horn francis trade to to Port Adelaide from North Melbourne. Uh, Has been in contact with Bonner. Do you think pick eight and a future plus Bonner will work? Um, Sounds like another club may be more interested in Bonner to unlock this. I'll ask you, how many... How many teams would Bonner fit into the best 18? Say, not best 22, but you seem closer than most yeah. of us being a Port Adelaide player. He's one of those frustrating players where his best football, you think, okay, he's a, he's a top 15 player and a good side. Mm. But then he has days where his contest work isn't strong mm. enough. And that's been the, the criticism over him. But he's got speed. He can play halfback and wing. And he's got a raking left mm. foot kick. To answer your question... 
four, maybe, maybe yeah. four teams in the competition that he would fit into, and North Melbourne would be one of those. But so would it be like a pick thirty to forty selection? Like yeah, I would, have thought, I would have yeah. thought so. Like you know, mid thirty sort mm. of type of a trade. So if you look at you know if you look at that, two first round picks plus yeah. you know, a second third round pick, I think it's a reasonable deal for North. But some North Melbourne supporters would say that is not enough. I uh, want to make worse clubs more competitive, allow clubs to go over the salary cap on drafted players. In relation to equalisation, the simple best solution is something that should have come in uh, hand with free agency, and that's the ability to move on a player who is in contract. We've discussed that. And Lordo, if Rory Lobb cannot get to the Bulldogs, Adam Tomlinson should be considered as an alternative trade. Uh, he's reported that he had a medical uh, at the kennel, can play forward wing back, but primarily would allow Darcy to play the lob forward ruck role. Tim Lamb suggested yesterday, that's from Melbourne, that they are open to finding Adam Tomlinson a new home and Adam Tomlinson yeah. in himself is, is keen to find some more opportunities. Unfortunately, it seems like Adam's uh, in a position where he'd want to hope he finds a new home because he, he's not going to see too many uh, AFL senior games like this year at Melbourne. Uh, they've got too many players that have gone past mm. him. So he'd be hoping to find another club, but uh, probably looks more unlikely at the moment. I don't know where the dogs fit him in because if you get lob and you get Liam Jones in, I just don't know where there's a spot yeah, for him. I think that text was saying if they can't get yeah. Lob, would he be one that they'd look at? He's a, he's a defender for me. Yeah. I, I know he was tried yeah. on the wing, and when he was recruited to Melbourne, they said he was going to play wing, but he's played his best footy across halfback. I'm concerned as a Melbourne supporter why we're going after Grundy. Gorn can't really play forward, and he's not a great kick, and Grundy can't either. They're going to be fighting over that number one spot. It's going to be a fascination, Lordo, how they juggle these two big ruckmen. It's interesting that under Simon Goodwin, I remember when Braden Pruce went to Melbourne, everyone was, what's right. he doing? He got a three-year deal and everyone, what, why? And then he just sat and rotted away in the twos. Uh, Braden Pruce, Grundy's a far better player than him and they'll make it work, but we're not sure exactly how it's going to function, Kane. Right, we've covered a lot of areas this morning. My favourite part, though, was Lordo's cricket dismissal. Uh, it was disgraceful. It was soft. <laughs> there was no conviction in the shot. And if you want to check it out, you can do so on our social media platforms. And he'll cook up something. He'll get me back on something. So don't worry about that. Lord, I will fire I'll be hitting hard this Saturday, Kane. None of that I this hope week. so. I hope so. And our cameras and our spies will be there to see how Lordo performs. He's got to respond. Stick around for the early trade. We'll be back from 7 o'clock tomorrow morning.